Hey there, my name is Hugo Prince. I'm the host of the Road to the IPO, Le Podcast des Entrepreneurs Aguerri. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. I also want to let you know that the podcast, Road to the IPO, is not available in all the other platforms. iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Please, please, rate the podcast on iTunes. Leave a comment. Let me know if it's good. Let's start the show. Today's podcast is in English and I have the great, great pleasure to have on the show somebody from Japan, Misha Joshenko, author and blogger. Hey, Misha, how's it going? Yeah, you know, yeah, I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Fine, thank you. Thank you for accepting the invitation on the show. So for those who don't know you, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. So uh, as you mentioned, I'm based in Tokyo, Japan. I've been here for about uh, six years now. And before I came to Japan, I actually grew up in the US. So I was in Texas, Austin, Texas, and I was uh, studying there, living there, and then moved to Japan right after college because I was studying language. And I had, I had no plan. I just wanted to be in Japan. So I was, uh, yeah. So I was lucky to, f- to find a job um, pretty quickly. Okay, so you went to Japan just to look for new opportunities. Well, I remember in university, a lot of my friends were struggling uh, to, to find jobs and they didn't know what they wanted to do. And many of them decided to go back to school to get a graduate degree. And I didn't want to do that. And I, I spoke some Japanese and I was interested to live abroad. So I, I saw it as a great opportunity to, uh, yeah, to do something a little bit different. So. Um, fortunately, I spoke the language because I studied in Japan for a few okay. months during university. So that made it easier to come here and actually find work. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah so. so for those that want to like try to learn, uh, learn Japanese, can you give us some tips? <laughs> I don't recommend it. <laughs> ah, okay. Well, why not? Um, well, it's, um, no, it's, it's, it's a wonderful language and it's one of the most difficult languages because it yeah. has three alphabets and okay. um, it just takes a very, very long time to learn um, okay. thousands of characters. So, so I think if you want to learn the language, I think it's, it's a great opportunity for, for yourself, um, for your career, because not many people speak Japanese and yeah. just some knowledge of a different culture or a different language is, is already a plus. But Japan specifically is, is so um, far away often you know, in our minds. So uh, yeah. it's a good opportunity. But uh, my recommendation is just to come to Japan and study here. The best way, okay. I mean, it's really hard to learn when you're not in Japan. Um, yeah, that's, so come that's here for sure. a year and study, study abroad, so. Good. So you went to Japan and I believe you start your own business, right? Is that right? Well, like a recruitment company? So I actually joined a recruitment company initially. Okay. So I joined a recruitment company, a small, you know, small company, 20 people, and they focused on helping technology companies come to Japan and hire people. Okay. 
So I was helping Facebook, Amazon, uh, Netflix, all these, all these big tech companies hire sales and marketing people, which was an amazing experience. Very, very challenging, but also very rewarding because you could see, you know, you, you'd hire somebody and then you could see the company grow and you could see them grow in the company. So it was uh, really motivating. And um, okay. I, enjoyed, I enjoyed that for, did that for about four and a half, almost five years. Okay. Um, so, like you said that you have like companies like Facebook and uh, Netflix. So yeah. what, is the, what is the difference in hiring prostitutes in Japan? So when you're going to hire somebody, like, is it different than North America? Is it the same? Yeah, it's, it's very different. And one of the big challenges in Japan is the, the labor laws. So the, you know, it's, good, it's good and bad depending on what side you're on. But yeah. it's very hard to fire somebody. And the, 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 the system that has been in Japan for most of uh, post-World War II Japan has been lifetime employment. So you get a job at a company and you work there for 20, 30 years until you retire. Yeah. And the loyalty that you give is returned with you know, cheaper housing and all these perks and a stable job. And so that, that sort of system has been, been around in Japan for a while, but it's not really good because if you want to fire somebody and grow your business because they're not, they're not a good hire for your, for your current situation, then it's very hard to do that. And okay. uh, that's one of the big reasons that the, there's so many companies in Japan that have so many employees that are, are, are not really doing anything and the, the companies are stagnating and they're struggling to grow. So I think, you know, one, one thing to keep in mind is if you are hiring in Japan or, um, you know, you're setting up a company here. It's, it is, you have to be very careful about who you hire. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. It may be very difficult to, um, to get rid of them. But uh, the, 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 other, the other big difference I would say is the, the process as an individual. Like if you want to go get a job in the U.S., in yeah. America, uh, you know, you can, you can find a job in two weeks. You know, you can interview and quit your job and then start in, in two or three weeks. In Japan, it's very, very rare because okay. the, the whole process, changing your job is, is less common. And so it's, it's more formal. Okay. It's, it's, it's more formal and people are a little bit, you know, more scared and reluctant to, to change their job. So oftentimes it takes one or two months for an interview and then it takes another one or two months to quit their job. Oh, wow. So maybe it takes three or four months for somebody to, to, to finally quit. And, um, it's really difficult. So one, one, one last point on that is there's actually a company in Japan, a startup that that's taking advantage of this uh, kind of situation, cultural situation. Yeah. And you can pay them. So if you're, if you're Japanese, you can pay this company and they will quit your job for you. Oh, yeah. so, <laughs> well, so, so they will call your boss and just quit for you because, because you're too scared to do it. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, that's Big uh, different culture, you know. Yeah, it's uh, very different. So you were talking about startups. So I always believe that ja Japanese people are like more like they love work for a company. And I don't know. I don't really know the entrepreneurship spirit in Japan. Mm -hmm. So sure. how is it like? What is the, the entrepreneurial spirit over there? Is it well regarded that people want to become an entrepreneur like in in the United States? So it definitely doesn't have the same uh, view in Japan because, yeah. like I mentioned, it's very risk averse and not many people are changing their jobs. So 
Okay. So there's not as many entrepreneurs, but there, there is actually a pretty vibrant and alive entrepreneurial scene and ecosystem in Japan. And yeah. many of these entrepreneurs are really young. They don't have experience. They're you know, early 20s and you know, the, the, this, the education system in Japan has not set them up for independent thinking, but yeah. they're still excited. They still want to do a startup. And so, so I think there's, there's definitely people that are, are doing startups in Japan and the most successful startup from a funding perspective and, and just globally that has come out of Japan recently is Merkari, Merkari yeah. and they're kind of like an eBay of Japan. Uh, and, and it's, oh, it's, Mercari, it's yeah. 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 Wow. You know them? Yeah, I yeah. know them. Yeah, yeah. So they're they're pretty big, and they're the first unicorn company out of out of a startup out of Japan. So so there's there's definitely you know there's definitely people doing things here. But uh, I I found personally that there's there's actually a lot of money and investment, angel investors and corporate venture capital in Tokyo. Like there, there's a lot of people trying to give startups money, but. Yeah. I've had conversations with, with some of these guys and it's very hard for them to find good founders and good deals to invest their money because nobody, there's not many people that have a track record and um, you know, a lot of these entrepreneurs are inexperienced. So it's an interesting balance where you have quite a bit of money available, but like not that much skill. So okay. there, there, there's um, if you're an experienced entrepreneur, then it's maybe a good idea to, to check out Japan and maybe it's easier yeah. to get funding for you. Well, uh, speaking about funding, there is um, there's this guy that fund Alibaba. What's his name? Uh, he's very big. He invests in Uber, his company. Um, he's well regarded in the United States. I don't know his name. He's an investor. He invests in Alibaba. Okay. Alibaba. Was he was he was he working at Yahoo before or? Yeah, he invests in Yahoo too. So his company, I'm keep checking out. Like I know he's very like. He has a huge com firm company. Let me check here. You want me long? Jack, Yeah, so, well, he's one of the ones that invest in Yahoo Japan and uh, Alibaba, also Uber. I have to uh, check. I don't, I don't have the information right now. No worries. Yeah, yeah. There, there's quite a few people that have invested, so I'm not. I'm not yeah, sure so exactly. Mayasoshi-san. Mayasoshi-san. Son-san. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah SoftBank. Yeah, that's yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, he's he's a he's a very visionary and uh, quite controversial, but yeah, he's investing and in, in raised a massive hundred billion dollar fund and he's investing in in everything all over the world so <laughs> he seems that he doesn't invest in japanese startups does he yeah uh, not not so much there's some there's some japanese startups he's invested in but mostly mostly outside of japan just okay. because there's not many most japanese startups are actually i would say 90 98% are focused on japan so they're focused on on local products and okay. it's very hard to scale that globally because they don't speak English or their product is very Japan centric. And so the, you know, Medicari is, is uh, the exception where they built their platform. Their founder is, is like a global, you know, Japanese American guy. And, and they, they, okay. they built, um, yeah, they, they built it with the idea that they would go global. 
And so that was, that was a, a plan from the beginning, but many Japanese startups don't have that, that plan. They just want to focus on, on the local. Okay. Market. And so why do you say he's controversial? Uh, well, so. well, because, because he's, he has, he's made very big statements like, uh, you know, I have a 100 year plan for what will happen, like AI and, you know, VR, like whatever specific industries, like he thinks that um, these are going to be here in a hundred years and he's, he's putting money towards that. And, and so it's just a bit, he's a very long-term thinker. I think that's why, um, okay. that's why he's controversial. So. Oh, cool. So it's very interesting to see this entrepreneurship and uh, investing experience in Japan. And I believe he's, because you know, they're also influenced by China. China is very big in entrepreneurship and it has a big influence in, in all those Asian countries. Yeah. I think especially Japan has, they have the, anyways, they have the war ethic to really work yeah. in a yeah. startup company. They have the war ethic just to see if they, they can, like you say, they can make it bigger. Right. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and there's actually a few Chinese entrepreneurs in Japan also. And there's quite a, a big Chinese, pop, Chinese and Korean population. And so, yeah. like you mentioned, there, there's, there's kind of an entrepreneurial spirit with a lot of, uh, you know, just Chinese business people and, and they're quite, a, quite aggressive. And so I know a few people, uh, there's a guy named Liu Dong who yeah. started up a company in, in China and it's kind of like the Victoria's Secret um, e-commerce uh, for China. And then he moved to Japan and he's running a, a, a company called Foodie, Foodie Japan. So it's uh, it's it's basically like a, a Yelp or a Foursquare um, okay. for Chinese tourists coming to Japan because there's so many. Um, so so yeah, there's there's a lot of yeah, different different entrepreneurs here. Cool. And speaking about big stuff, I want to talk about uh, something that you that you very uh, that you very knowledgeable like mm -hmm. uh, bitcoins. Yeah. Yeah, do you have a book about that? But before we talk about the book, sure. I want to talk about 2018 because there was a big boom about Bitcoin. Yeah. What do you think that happened? What was it that make it so big in 2018? Yeah. So I think one, one, of, the, one of the main reasons that it just blew up and the media and everyone on, on Facebook started talking about it is, yeah. is because people realized at some point, I don't know exactly what day, but at some point, people realize that anybody could invest. Yeah. And if you look at, you know, just, just the general finance investment industry, oftentimes there's a, a, a minimum, you know, $25,000 or whatever to invest in certain uh, financial um, assets. And in Bitcoin, it's like you can invest $1, right? And, yeah. and that, that could go 20, you know, 20X or 100X in price. And so, People started seeing a lot of ICOs raising raising this crazy money. Venture capital companies saw saw this happening, and so they started pumping more money. That started getting media attention, and then the average person said, "Hey, you know, all these different t tokens and, and coins, uh, many of them have have shot up, you know, really really quickly." And so once that was available to people, uh, once it was easier for people to buy cryptocurrencies via Coinbase. Coinbase, Drex, um, uh, Binance, Bitfinex, a lot of the big exchanges, uh, then, then they're like, yeah, you know, we, we have to get in on this. We can get rich. And so I think a lot of people just jumped in and that, of course, kind of snowballed and that created yeah. more, more buyers and more buyers. And uh, that happened very quickly, I think, in just 
you know, four or five weeks, the price went from like 5,000 to to almost 20,000. And anybody, anybody looking at that could see with any like finance experience, institutional finance experience, they can go, Oh, like, Hey, this is not sustainable. Um, you know, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna crash, but the average person, the average Joe is like, I want to get rich. And, uh, uh, they took some big risks, unfortunately. And, and, and it went back down and that, that's just the market. That's how it works. Um, well, some people got rich for that. So the way yeah. <laughs> they got rich, but like you say, a lot yeah. of people didn't, they lost a lot of money. Uh, so yeah. I, I know that I read some stuff on, on, on the internet about the Chinese, the Chinese miners, you know, the one that produced the Bitcoin. Yeah. They yeah. got rich. A lot right. Right. They, they have the infrastructure, so they, they have all these computers and then they get rich. Exactly. But most of the people that invest in Bitcoin didn't. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of the exchanges, like a, a crypto exchange is such a great business, right? Because you, you have, everyone's trading so much and um, they're, they're, they have the fees, exchange fees. So, so that, you know, Coinbase is the, the biggest American crypto exchange, one of the biggest in the world, right? And it's, it's the most well-funded uh, crypto company, right? And it's not even a crypto company. It's like, it's a centralized business. So it's interesting um, how, how that's worked. But, but uh, you know, every, if you look at the market, um, I won't get into too many details, but basically if you look at the market every year for the yeah. past 10 years in Bitcoin, there's been a similar uh, kind of rise and fall. So every year, pretty much every year, Bitcoin will, will go up um, by whatever, 70% or something yeah. um, from $100 to $170, whatever. And then it'll, it'll, it'll crash. It'll, it'll yeah. go back down to, it'll correct uh, by yeah. 50 to 70%. And then the same thing happens the next year. And then that kind of scale has been getting bigger and bigger. So if you look at what happened last year, quite similar, right? It's, it's, it, it, it went up by 70% and then it went back down. And, and uh, what is the next, the question is, what is the next, time scale for, for, for that to happen. Is it yeah. this year or is it, you know, the next three years? Nobody really knows. Uh, people have predictions, but, but my, my general outlook is I still think it's early. If, uh, if Bitcoin is actually going to be used by, uh, you know, tens of millions of more people. And if banks are going to be using this, then I, I still think it's, it's relatively early. Um, and it's low, right? You're supposed to buy low, not buy high. So right now yeah. it's, it's low. <laughs> yeah. Is that why you're so bullish about Bitcoin? Is that why you don't really, um, you don't really have that trust right now? Is because it's too early? Yeah. So, so, well, well, so, so, so I think, uh, I'm, I'm fundamentally, you know, very, very bullish. And I, I think that, that there's, there's a huge, huge market for, for Bitcoin globally, I don't, you know, oftentimes people ask, how do you, what's the point? What's the point of it in, in a, in a developed country? Because I'm not going to go buy my coffee with Bitcoin, which is yeah. true. Mm-hmm. But I think the much right now, at least for Bitcoin specifically, the biggest use case is on a global basis for developing countries. So you can think about it as having an option, right? Maybe I have USD, I have yen, I have euros, and I have Bitcoin as an option to pay. Okay. Um, and the, the reason it's easier to understand for people in Venezuela or Greece or Ukraine yeah. is because they've had, they've had their governments basically just screw them over 
banks screw them over and so they can't withdraw money or they can't send money abroad or you know, the government takes away 20% of their savings. And we don't have that experience in the West so much. It doesn't really happen very often. And, uh, and so we, we don't, you know, we don't, we don't really think it's, it's, it's a big deal because our banks are relatively stable. Um, and so, uh, so, so I think the, the bigger market and the bigger use case right now is on a global basis in developing countries. For okay. Okay. Yeah, that's, uh, that's true because they need that. Yeah. Like you say, some countries really need that because they're not, they don't trust the, the government. Yeah. So, yes. But, you know, people talk about Bitcoin and it's like a branding, it's just Bitcoin, but there's a lot of other coins. But what I believe is the big, like, the big change is not the Bitcoin by itself, but the blockchain, the technology behind it. The Bitcoin, sure. yeah. But they don't know what 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 blockchain. So can you explain yeah. us a little bit about it? Yeah, sure. So so ju just just on that is interesting because I think with Bitcoin specifically, there there's several parts to Bitcoin. So there's the there's the blockchain part, which is the technology, and then there's actually there's more than that. There's there's also there's also the fact that it's peer to peer. So I can send it to you, right? And there's no restriction there. Yeah. Um, and also the fact that it's uh, cross-border, so I can send it, you know, anywhere in the world. And so there, there are these kind of different uh, pieces that are important to 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 to, to having a currency, a cryptocurrency. Okay. But one of one of the pieces of cryptocurrency is blockchain. And um, interestingly, a lot of companies are most interested in this part, um, okay. which I think is, is is good. And and blockchain is essentially just a, it's a different way to record information. And record okay. data and it can be any data um, and you cannot alter or change that data um, okay. without uh, leaving a trace so everything is on record and uh, it provides a lot of transparency and uh, trust in a system rather than a person because a person could lie or a person could change something and so um, one of the great ways to this is being used is is just for supply chain management so if you want to know you know where where your coffee is coming from, and are people being paid fair wages? Then somebody could change those numbers, right? Um, but if you have it on the blockchain, then yeah. any changes are visible, and so you know it's one hundred percent how much money people are being paid from from the from Starbucks all the way to the coffee farmer, um, okay. and and so it opens up a lot of you know opportunities for supply chain for for payments, makes payments more efficient, and the, the way that companies are using it right now is more, more of a private, in a private way. So you can actually have a private blockchain. Okay. And many people argue that that's not really decentralized and it kind of defeats the purpose because if only the company has access to it, yeah. private, then it, it doesn't meet all these other kind of open borderless peer-to-peer -peer, like kind of Bitcoin um, does. And so, so there's, there's definitely some kind of philosophical arguments there in the community. Uh, but the, the, yeah. the point is that it's still, it's basically a technology, it's a programming language, and um, you know, it, it's, it's going to change the way that a lot of companies do business, save the money, um, open up new revenue streams. So that's really exciting on the B2B side. Um, I, and, and then on the B2C side, you have just more, more of the payments, the payment side and, and cryptocurrency side is, is um, you know, what's most interesting. So.
Just a small break to let you know that World Today IPO has finally some sponsor. Two CM and Pawnee Sync, an accounting firm. Eve and Ali, one of my dearest friends, and they're very good accountants. They, they have helped me a lot in my accounting. As an entrepreneur, freelancers, even people that have nine to five jobs, you need very good accounting. So that's why I recommend them to CM and Partner Sync. So they're based in Montreal. So if you are from Montreal and you listen to the podcast right now, you can give them a call or go to the website that I will put on the description. I will put the link on the description. So if you tell them that you listen to the podcast, they will give you a free consultation. Yes, a free consultation. So give them a call right now at 514-318-3711. 514-318-3711. And let them know that you listen to the road to the IPO. So let's get back to the show. Like, I'm, like I think that companies will become more transparent because they don't have a choice, like you were talking about Starbucks, and yeah. they really, really pay the farmers and everything where the coffee comes from. So it's gonna be like us customers, we're gonna start seeing everything for our company. Yeah. It won't be as private as before, so you're gonna see yeah. everything for our company from, from the top to the low, so. Yeah. Yeah, that's very huge for companies, so. It's a question about trust, you know, and that's what blockchain is. That's why I believe. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think there's, again, there, there's different ways to use it. And it's, you know, if, 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 we, if we ask people to define trust, it's actually a very difficult word to define. And I think yeah. there's, a lot of, there's a lot of different um, issues there because if, if, um, if everything is transparent, what, why, why does everything need to be transparent? Because yeah. you don't trust the person, right? If, okay. if your girlfriend or boyfriend is asking you to be transparent and tell you exactly where they are every day and who they're meeting and what yeah. time they're going to go to the coffee shop, that's transparency, but yeah. it's not trust, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so th- there's a lot of big philosophical questions that I, I don't think we have answered. <laughs> Oh, and uh, I think there's different ways to use blockchain um, in, in, in good ways and also maybe not good ways. And so we, we have to be careful and think about how to, yeah, everyone, every, every business has to think about how to approach it properly. So. Yeah. Um, so I read an, an article on LinkedIn that you wrote, and you recommend that people become a blockchain self-tissue. Blockchain self-tissue. Like, yeah. they need to get the blockchain certificate. What is it? What they should go and certificate themselves as a blockchain developer? Sure. So, I don't think you have to be a blockchain developer, but okay. being blockchain certified just means okay. going, going on Udemy or Coursera or uh, okay. Block21 is another good course and, and taking a, you know, eight to 10 hour paid, some of them are free, uh, course to learn how the blockchain works, how Bitcoin right. works. And then okay. having that certification on your resume or on your LinkedIn. And the, re- the reason I think that's, well, I think it's just interesting to learn about it. So, you know, people should just go do it, but uh, because it's, it's changing the world, but you know, from a, from a career perspective, it's yeah. just supply and demand, right? So a lot, a lot of, a lot of companies are demanding uh, that, Hey, you know, we want to do something blockchain related or, or we want to advertise in this blockchain, um, you know, event or so, some, something related to blockchain. So 
if you have a certification and if you know about it and you're the only person in your team or only person in the company, you just raise your hand and okay. you know, they'll, they'll choose you because you're the most qualified. So I think there's, there's just a, you know, any new industry that is emerging, you, you know, take some time to jump in there. And uh, I think you can, you know, leverage that knowledge to get a higher salary or to take on new projects in your company or whatever. So that, that, that's why I think, you know, it takes, it only takes a few hours to, to take these courses and it could be worth, you know, could, could be worth your time. So, yeah. So it's a question about machine educate about the new technology that comes yeah. from. That's good. So yeah. before we go to the last question of the podcast, I want to know where can people contact you? Which platforms are you on? Yeah, so I, um, <laughs> I just got off of Facebook because uh, okay. it was uh, taking too much of my time. But okay. you, can reach me, you can reach me on my blog. Um, yeah. Subscribe to my blog or email me through my blog, which is just my name, mishayurchenko.me. And so I, uh, okay. yeah, I'm on there. I'm writing quite a lot. Um, and I'm also, sorry, I'm also on Quora. So Quora is uh, okay. launched in France recently, but it's uh, it's like a question and answer site. So I write a lot of different things there every week. So okay, good. And uh, on LinkedIn too, maybe they can contact. Yeah, LinkedIn as well. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's good. So let's talk about your book. So what do you decide to write a book about Bitcoin? And is it because you saw a big wave and you want to take the opportunity to talk about it, or is it because you want to educate people? And what is your book about? Well, so I wrote the book after the wave, so I think I missed that. <laughs> so I think the smart move would have been to write it like right before the peak and then everybody would have bought it. So I did not do that. I, I, I didn't release it until um, just okay. two, three months ago. So, um, so, so yeah, I, I've been trading. So when I was working full time in Japan, I started trading cryptocurrencies just, just on the side because I was interested and um, long story short, one, one, one of our clients was actually a crypto company at okay. the time. So I kind of got interested in what they were doing and I started learning more about it and then started trading, trading cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Monero, a few, a few different ones, and then made a little bit of money. And I, I was like, oh, this is really interesting. And uh, I just kept doing that. And, and then we had the big boom. And I, okay. I didn't lose. I lost a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, fortunately, I didn't lose all of it. I, I, I okay. sold and I you know, put it in my bank. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm safe in that, in that perspective. But um, I still lost a lot of money. And I'm like, this is so interesting because uh, where did this come from? And why did this happen? Why did I, why did I not see this? Um, yeah. Why was I so greedy? And uh, how could I do this differently in the future? So, so I think it was just a lot of, emotional pain and then confusion. Um, and I wanted to understand how to avoid this problem in the future and how to be a better trader. So yeah, yeah. I think that's one part. So part of the book is uh, something I wish, I wish I would have had two years ago. <laughs> yeah. okay. so, so the next time, the next time we have a bull market, the next time the price goes up um, and everyone's getting excited, um, you know, we have to take a step back and say, okay, what, what do I do here? What's my process? How do I make sure I don't lose all my money? Um, and uh, that's the first part of the book, just, just kind of risk management and explaining a process, how to, how to make money and how to not lose money and um, how to store your, your Bitcoin properly. And then, uh, then the second part of the book is really, uh, really just 
about the future. So I interviewed a lot of, so this is not just the investment side, this is more the technology side now. So I interviewed about 30, 35 blockchain uh, startup CEOs and I asked them, you know, what, what are they most excited about? And I asked them, what, what do they think the future will be like for, uh, for crypto? And so, yeah. you know, they, 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 they were all very, very responsive and all of them are, you know, building their companies. They've been working on them for three or four years. And so I got some good insights from them. And so I put all that in the book, you know, what I learned okay. from all these guys. So, so yeah, it's a little bit of um, advice and it's also a little bit of motivation and kind of, you know, um, like technology for the future, you know, what you can expect, what you should look out for. Um, okay. For the next couple of years, so it's a book about educating people about that new technology and also be careful when investing. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. Good. It's, it's very it's like practical. It's a very practical kind of step by step. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And what is it? Uh, which platform is uh, is your book available? Yeah. So you can get it on Amazon. Um, it's on paperback and it's also on Kindle. So. Audiobook will be about one month from now. So, oh, the audiobook is coming. Great. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So we, I'm gonna put all the links on the podcast on the book. Where can people contact you? And look, uh, anything you wanna say to the audience uh, about bitcoins, and maybe they wanna go to Japan and visit you. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> yeah, c coming to Japan. So actually, the obviously we have the Olympics coming up pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so the government is, the government is doing a lot to make it easier to be in Japan. So there's yeah. a lot of uh, kind of new, new kind of signs in English and different languages. So it's easier to travel. And a lot of airlines like Japan airlines is actually, so they're, they're, they're creating a lot of cheap flights because the government is okay. subsidizing the flights because they want more people to come here. And so uh, you can find some pretty cheap flights from all over the world, but, but not to Tokyo. So I recommend going, flying into a city called Nagoya. Nagoya, yeah. Nagoya, and so there's a lot of cheap flights to Nagoya, and that's like maybe two hours away from Tokyo by train, not far. Okay. And you can fly there for maybe half the price than going to Tokyo, and then just take a train. Um, so, so that's my advice for Japan. And then my, my final advice for, for cryptocurrencies, if you're, I'm interested in investing, then, you know, it's, it's obviously, uh, if you're looking at it from, from a distance, you read a lot of articles online, it's very easy to, to have an opinion, a negative opinion. Yeah. So my, my suggestion is, of course, be cautious, be careful what you do. Don't just give people your money, but um, it, it's try something, uh, just, just try something out, you know, just, yeah. you know, take, take 50 euros and play around with it. <clears throat> Not a lot of money. Uh, something you can, you know, you're, you're willing to lose and then uh, see how it works, right? See how you download a wallet, see how you send money. And then after you do that, you can have an idea of how it works. And then, okay. um, and then you can decide, oh, do I want to continue or, or, you know, am I not interested? So uh, at least, uh, yeah, do, do your research and, and don't be afraid to get, to get your hands dirty. So. All right. That's good advice. Thank you very much, Misha. I appreciate your time. And it was a wonderful podcast. And I hope the people that listen to this podcast will appreciate it too. Thank you, man. There you go. Thank you so much.